This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey guys, I want to take a second to shout out to some of my newest patrons, Mamad, Patra, NWO, and Jennifer. You guys are totally awesome. I seriously appreciate your support, and I hope you appreciate the ad-free podcast episodes and bonus episodes that you now have full access to on my Patreon page. For those of you who are interested, go over to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash drnosleep to sign up today. That's patreon.com slash drnosleep. Now time for the story. I was headed to the Duplias home, hoping that I'd be able to rid the family of Severat and also not die. I was worried that might be impossible. I'd made a number of calls from Davian's room in the hospital and had very little luck. When I mentioned Severat's name, my contacts suddenly weren't available. One, a little braver than the others, told me I needed to let this case go, that the Duplias family was already beyond saving and it wouldn't help anyone if I decided to die along with them. Only one person didn't say no. Father Jeremy Levine. Father Levine looks as though he might be old enough to have met Jesus. Thin, rickety frame, spindly arms and legs, bald head, unkept white beard. He sat beside me in my small car, wearing all black except for the white collar. I was pretty sure if I accidentally bumped him, he would fall apart into a pile of old man pickup sticks and dust. But he was all I had. When I mentioned Severat, Father Levine had made a huffing noise over the phone. I will help you, he said, his voice whispery and his words abrupt. This demon needs to return to Enfer. I don't believe he is actually a demon, I said. He is from another place. He possesses people and makes them do evil, and he is a bastard. What difference does it make what we call him? That makes a lot of sense. We had agreed to meet up, and I filled him in on the way to the Duplias home. Father Levine brought a black satchel with him, and when the car turned, I heard the soft rattle of glass on glass. The house Anthony Duplias and his family lived in was quite large. Not a mansion, but definitely had more than twice as many rooms than people who lived there. I knocked on the door and was greeted by a broadly built, clean-shaven man who appeared to be in his 40s. Hints of gray around the temples and his otherwise dark hair. The bags under his eyes spoke of stress and far too little sleep. Can I help you? Hi, Mr. Duplias. I'm Melissa Stark. I'm... He raised his hand to stop me. You were the one who was with Francine when she was hurt? He asked. Yes, I was. 
I don't trust this hocus-pocus nonsense you're peddling, but Francine did, and the cops said you had a big role in saving her life. Come in. I assume you're here about Anthony? He stepped aside, and Father Levine and I stepped inside. Mr. Duplais directed us towards a small sitting room off the main foyer. Yes, we are, I said. Mr. Duplais, he interrupted me again, which seemed to be a habit of his, but at least he was pleasant. Please, call me Carmichael, he said. Sure. Carmichael, Francine contacted us about Anthony. She was worried for him, and the more evidence my colleague and I found, the more we agreed with her. It appears as though a being named Severit is using Anthony's body and trapping Anthony in another dimension called Elsewhere. Carmichael just stared at me for a moment before speaking. Do you think I'm stupid, or are you so crazy that you can't hear yourself? I can help Anthony, I said. Please, with a crock of shit like that, you can't help anyone. If I may, Father Levine intervened. Carmichael glanced over at the father, and some of the fire in his eyes immediately began to die down. Clearly, Carmichael had more respect for religious figures than supernatural investigators. While I disagree with Melissa on a number of foundational philosophical and cosmological tenets, she is right that your son is in danger and that we can help him. Father Levine pointed to a cross hanging on a wall in the foyer, just visible through the open door. You appear to be a God-fearing man, Carmichael. Trust me and let us save your boy. Carmichael took a few seconds to ruminate, but finally he nodded. Good, Father Levine said. Then take us to young Anthony. Carmichael led us upstairs. Deeper into the large house, we came to a bedroom, and Carmichael knocked before opening the door. Hey, son, he said as he stepped into the room. It's Dad. I've got a couple people with me to see you. The room was typical teenager fare. Some dirty clothes on the floor, stacks of school books on a desk, posters of bands on the wall. Anthony was lying on his bed, holding a book that I assumed he'd been reading before we interrupted him. He didn't say anything, just stared at us as we walked in. Anthony, Carmichael said, this is Miss Stark and Father Levine. They know Francine. They're here to help you. I know who they are. Anthony said in a deep, gravelly voice I immediately recognized. Anthony, you sound off, Carmichael said. That's because Anthony is at home right now, Severat said, using Anthony's mouth. Get out now. Leave us to work, Father Levine said, ushering Carmichael out. As soon as he got the door shut behind Carmichael, Father Levine locked the door behind us. There was a banging and shouting from the other side of the door, but I quickly tuned it out as Severat began to speak again. Marissa, good to see you again. Between the adventure with Francine and having to watch your friend bear her chest in her bloody name, I had feared you wouldn't return. I do love our time together, even when I threaten you and say otherwise. Anthony turned to face the father. But you are new, Father Levine. Well, new to me. Clearly not new, you old man. I beat your mother to an inch of her life to stop her evil acts, but I took pity on her and spared her life. If I hadn't, you would not be here. I will balance mercy with countering evil more vigilantly today. 
Damn. Oh man, you've got some spice to you. Father Levine opened his bag and pulled out two glass vials. He opened one and let it dribble in a circle around Anthony's bed. Sephiroth laughed. Ah, not some demon, you stupid old hack. Yet your kind have been held in check by the trappings of belief for as long as humans have existed. Your bravado is misplaced. With a roar, Anthony exploded from the bed and ran at Father Levine. Claw-like nails extended, he swiped right as the father opened another bottle and splashed the contents at Anthony. Severoth's scream was horrible to hear. Steam rose up from Anthony as he staggered, falling back on the bed. Blood dribbled down Father Levine's cheek where the nails had ripped through his skin. Father Levine whirled towards me. I need you to trust me, he said. I had no other options. I do. I said. He reached in his satchel and pulled out a green vial. He tossed it to me. Sit down and drink this, he said. It will help you find your way to elsewhere. Call to Anthony and you will find him. Bring him back. I nodded and looked around. A chair in the corner would do. I ran over to it and plopped down. There was a cork stopped in the vial. I ripped it out violently and before I could reconsider, I threw it back like a shot. It tasted of honey and mold and immediately I found myself drifting off to unconsciousness. I looked up and saw Father Levine splashing more vials of water on Anthony as everything faded to darkness. But with sleep, I found myself somewhere else. Everything was shadowy and murky, like being underwater without the water. Dark shapes moved in the periphery of my vision. I remembered the Father's words. Anthony! I screamed. Anthony! I looked around, nothing. Just as I was about to call again, I heard it, faintly. Help. I ran toward the sound of the voice, screaming his name over and over, changing direction as I was able to tell more and more where the voice was coming from. I felt shadowy hands grasp at me as I ran, but I wouldn't stop. I'd pull myself from them, fighting my way through. Finally, huddling on the ground by himself, I found Anthony. He seemed cloudy around the edges, but it was undeniably him. Anthony, I said, reaching out my hand to him. Take my hand. I'm going to get you back home. He reached out to me. I clasped his hand. It felt ephemeral and insubstantial, but there was enough there for me to hold on to. I ran back the way I had come, heading towards my entry point in the hopes it could be an exit as well. As I got lost, I heard a voice call through the shadows. Melissa, come to my voice. It was Father Levine. I ran towards him, carrying Anthony along behind me. I saw him standing in a clearing, softly glowing. Melissa, the next part will be tricky. I will send you back to your body. Anthony as well. Severot followed you in here, which means Anthony's body is vacant. I'm going to trap Severot. When you get back to our world, do not stop me. No matter what I do, do you understand? I do. Then go. With a wave of Father Levine's hand, ripples emanated across elsewhere, and I felt a ferocious pull. The next thing I knew, I was back in the chair in the corner of the room. Glancing up, I saw that Anthony was stirring on his bed, as well. He looked around his room and immediately began crying. Father Levine had been standing, still as a statue in the middle of the room, but he suddenly jerked back to life. I condemn you to eternal damnation, Severat, he yelled. Grabbing another bottle of holy water, Father Levine opened it and poured it into his mouth. Swallowing, he spoke again. I trap you in this body, Severot, and with the death of your prison, your reign shall end. 
Father Levine pulled out a long, thin knife, and as I screamed for him to stop, he drove it straight into his heart. I heard the horrible sound of Severoth screaming again, for what I was realizing was the final time. Father Levine huffed to himself, then fell down to the floor. I dropped down to my knees next to him. You're doing the work of good, he said, bubbles of blood on his lips. The world needs you. He reached over and took my hand in his, and we stayed that way until long after he had died. I opened the door and Carmichael burst into the room. Anthony ran to him and hugged him. They were crying, shedding tears of joy. I smiled briefly and nodded. Severit was gone. The threat was over. I could breathe again. It was time to check on Davian in the hospital and to see if Francine had returned to her body now that Severit was destroyed. Gathering up Father Levine's belongings, I made a promise to him. I won't give up. Thanks for listening. To get notified every time a new episode is released, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button and turn on all notifications.